You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. Uh, this is episode 29, and uh, let's roll, baby. Uh, so, you know, we are in the midst of, of the free agency frenzy, and, and quite frankly, I love it. It's so much fun. Uh, so much is changing, and, and quite honestly, sometimes it's tough to keep track. Uh, but with me today is someone who I could only dream of chopping it up with. Uh, one of the guys I've looked up to in this space uh, since I've even known about it. So uh, I, I don't exactly get starstruck, but I do recognize when I am among true greatness. And today is a day like that. So I'd like to welcome to the pod, the great Evan Silva. You can find Evan on Twitter at Evan Silva. And be sure to check out his awesome website, establishtherun.com and his podcast with Adam Levitan, also called Establish the Run. Evan Silva, what is up? What's up, Jax? I, I, I'm a big fan of yours as well. I have been for a couple of years. You know, you have always been one of the, you know, like the smarter guys or the more more like observant guys, I thought, on fantasy Twitter. So, you know, you've always kind of stuck out to me. So it, it's cool to now be able to sit down and do a podcast with you and discuss what has been so far a pretty wild and fast-flowing an aggressive free agency period. You know, we kind of heard that it was going to be like this, but um, I, I I thought it would be a little bit more of a, of a slow trickle, but it has been, it, it's been info packed. Well, that's the pod, everybody. Uh, Evan came on and complimented me. So that's going to be all for the, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, everybody kind of predicted that it was going to be, um, you know, kind of uh fast and you know our our guy uh you know dan awl sabermetrics who kind of does our contracts for us was was warning us that the offensive lineman uh movement was going to be huge and so far that's been true and we're going to get to that for sure but you know that's something that i think down the line is something worth looking at to see which teams actually improved or 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 really fell flat uh you know on the on the fronts because that's where the game's won and lost but you know we're not going to talk too much offensive line i don't think that people want to hear us talk about guards uh, but we are going to hit the big stuff and kind of one of the big things that, you know, obviously has been dominating the news for for more than one reason. But I think we want to look at it from, you know, just sort of the ramifications is is this Deshaun Watson situation. 
legality stuff aside, Evan, I mean, you know, let's look at what that actually means going forward, which is like, you know, I, I look, this is, this was been my, my, my take is that, you know, Deshaun Watson had no leverage other than in the court of public opinion. And now he doesn't have that. And this, you know, this Houston franchise, uh, you have, uh, famously, uh, put on blast and they're, they're, they're maybe the stone worst, but what does all this mean? I mean, this is just an absolute mess. What happens next? I think it's 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 a mystery because these these lawsuit this lawsuit issue is going to need to be sorted out. I mean, this is a this is a massive move, you know, franchise altering move for any team that would be trying to acquire Deshaun Watson. He's got a big contract. He plays the most important position in all of pro sports. Um, the, the, I mean, owners are going to be involved in, in a move like this, and right. owners are always worried about PR and all that. So this is going to cause a delay in any Deshaun Watson movement. Um, I, I don't know if it if it if it increases the likelihood that he returns to Houston. I, I just I, I think we, we they. The lawsuit situation has to get sorted out before before there's any movement. You know, I, there there have been several teams rumored to be interested in. I think the Jets and the Dolphins clearly have enough ammunition to go get him. Uh, the Broncos, the 49ers, and the Panthers have all even the Patriots a little bit uh, have, have been uh, rumored to be in that mix. But it, it has become a, a highly unpredictable situation uh, due to the lawsuit issue. Yeah, I mean, even due to the fact that Houston is basically the worst-run franchise in football would also make them unpredictable. You know, I, I talk with some of, you know, my friends and, and, and coworkers at the Undroppables, and we, we'll talk about, like, what would be reasonable for, you know, Houston to do. And, of course, I always say, well, can we, can we bank on them being reasonable even once? I mean, they've never proven to be reasonable in any decision they've made. Why would we think they'd start now? Right. And they're also a team that is extremely concerned at this point with PR. I mean, they literally released J.J. Watt without even trying to get anything for him on the trade market just so they could get, you know, rap, rap, rap sheet to uh, tweet how, about how classy they were. They were I mean, classy. And the Texans. Very, very I, classy I move. No, I'm all the teasing. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. classy. Very, I very mean, classy. I mean, you can't get more what? classy than releasing, a, a, you know, a valuable asset for nothing. Uh, just to show your right. franchise you care. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I guess that that's what they're thinking. I mean, they are they're they're discombobulated right now. We don't know if Jack Easterby's running the show. We don't know if if it's Nick Cesario. You know, um, I mean, uh, John Daigle of Roto World put up a, a graphic of all the play, all the players that the Texans have signed this offseason. It's just, you know, w- with all due respect, it's a bunch of garbage. I mean, they they've just. They've bought a bunch of players that just aren't very good. Um, And I guess now it's being viewed that Tyrod Taylor would be their starting quarterback if they move on from Deshaun Watson. I mean, they're like a candidate to go 0-16 if that happens. (laughs) With no draft picks, yeah. Stay classy. Yeah, with no draft picks, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. What a plan. I I, I, I don't know if you heard my my last show, but I I called them the – they're like the orphan – uh, you know, team in, in your dynasty league that has nothing, no draft picks, no future, no team. You can't even you can't even give the team away for free on Twitter. That's the Houston Texans right now. But they do have Deshaun Watson, their only good, you know, piece, their only, you know, their only their their only saving grace. And 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 that is turning as ugly as it could possibly be. So 
I, I don't know, man. It's really, you know, I'm, I'm ready for him and, to be traded is what I'm hoping for, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I mean, seriously, like, they are so bereft of talent and assets that at this point, I mean, I think it's almost in their best interest to trade Deshaun Watson because at least that way they could get some assets. They're, they're not going to win. With, I mean, they're so bad that they have, a you know, a top five quarterback in the league and they still can't win with them. You're right. Um, yeah. I mean, what, what they should have done is they should have just done a full clean sweep tank, get what they what they could for J.J. Watt, you know, trade uh, Bradley Roby, trade Deshaun Watson, you know, just get anything that, that they could get for for all these guys and do like a like a multi-year tank um, and, you know, try to get, you know, compile draft picks and, you know, just ab- absorb the losses and almost do like what the what the Astros did, actually, you know, also of Houston. But I mean, they—they—I don't know—they have no direction right now. They're going to need someone in the dugout clapping once or twice, whether it's a run or a pass. I agree. They should do exactly, exactly. what the Texans, what the Astros did, and, and cheat. That's their only chance of winning. So, good luck. Um, but move, moving on—that is just a an absolute train wreck. And I say we just kind of keep that keep that theme rolling. And I'm going to ask you, I okay. What the hell is going on in Seattle? I mean, if you're going to trade Russell Wilson, then, I mean, wouldn't you be open to trading him? And and if if not, why would you – what the hell is going on? Like, in other words, if you're trading him, trade him. If not, say, oh, we're not trading him. But the, the, the word came out that, that Chicago offered three first-round picks, two quote-unquote good players. I don't even know what that means. But, like, and they said no. What the hell is all that? Well, I mean, I just – I don't think that – Seattle's going to trade Russell Wilson. Um, there's obviously been some friction there between the Seattle front office and, and, and Russell Wilson based on – I mean, the, the C- Seattle treats Pete Carroll as the most important figure in its organization, not its quarterback and not the the, the, the well-being of its quarterback. Um, and, and that's just the, the direction that they've decided to go. They moved on from Brian Schottenheimer, who I, I thought did a pretty nice job at least in the first half of last year, of scheming offense. Um, they gave Pete Carroll an extension until he's like 80 years old. And, you know, they're, they're, they are continuing to build in the likeness of Pete Carroll, not in the likeness of, of at least what Russell Wilson wants and what we saw be so successful for them in the first half of last season. Absolutely. They're, they're, I think what they did is they they heard through the grapevine that you're smart, and they were like, what's this guy's website? They heard it was established to run and just followed that. That's what they did. That's, I guess I, I guess so. I guess that's what so. they're doing. I, I mean, mean yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Um, but, no, I, I mean, they – and they've been pretty quiet so far. Uh, in free agency, but I mean, I I think at the end of the day, they're they're just they're not going to move on from from Russell Wilson, um, and they're but they're going to keep him, you know, sort of under wraps with this uh, run the ball mindset. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, we know that that obviously establishing the run is what wins in football. You know, I think uh, you know the data has been out. You know, the the more times you kneel down, so I think there's a correlation there. They're going to figure it out eventually. A couple kneel downs to start off the game. That's the surefire way to win it. We know that. Um, but you know, uh, moving on, (laughs) moving on to, I think, uh, you know, you, you did one of my, two of my favorite podcasts of all time. Okay. So the, you know, the two takedowns, uh, the big blue bubble, and then last year taking down the Texans and, 
you had you had asked uh, who should I take down this year, and I was like, you should just do the Texans again. Uh, was my response because they they need a double dip, and turns out that was correct. But you are moving on, and you're going to do the pod on the Bears. I don't think I'm spoiling anything. I think you tweeted it out. So uh, really excited to hear you sort of lambaste the Bears, and I don't want to step on that uh, that 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 pod too much, but. I'm sure you've got enough fire in that flamethrower, so perhaps maybe just a, through, uh, a few cocktails get thrown here. Uh, what the hell were the Bears doing? What are the Bears doing? Why did they, you know, they're, they're up against the cap. They don't have a quarterback. Um, Allen Robinson, they, ang- they, they, they tag him. He's unhappy. They, they have Nick Foles and, and uh, Mitch Trubisky. They could have picked up Mitch Trubisky's fifth-year option. Instead, now, they bring in Andy Dalton, who seems like, Literally, like a you know a lateral move at best, um, but costing them more money. I have no clue what the hell they're doing. Do you have any idea what they're doing? They're just missing out on their their preferred targets. And you know one of the one of the the trademark characteristics I think of you know well run organizations that they can go out and get their guy. Um, at the Bears, the Bears went. They tried to get Russell Wilson. They wound up with Andy Dalton. <laughs> they tried to go get Trent. They tried to go get Trent Williams. They wound up re-signing uh, Jermaine Effetti. You know, like it's they're, they're they're just not executing. And I mean, I don't blame them. I and mean, they're they're a quarterbackless team. They're also a team who the people that are making decisions there uh, are like fighting for their jobs. They're right. not like you know, and they're they're not. Their, their focus is not on, you know, building a winning program anymore. Their focus is on um, just being able to, you know, last another year. And or that another is, day. Yeah, or another day. And that is not, you know, that's not a, a that, you know, you're you're almost digging your own grave. That That is not the way that you want your organization to be run. The, the, the ownership really the, is the problem for the Bears. I, I think that when I do my deep dive, which it, it probably won't be out for another month, but um, when I do my deep dive on the Bears, my guess, my, my hypothesis going in is that the the, uh, the ownership is really going to come to light as 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 being the biggest problem in Chicago. And isn't it always, right? In other words, yeah. we see it all the time, it right? It very much tends to be, yes. Be- because if you're the general manager of a franchise and the owner is like schizophrenic, you know you need to make a move immediately just to save your career. I mean, look, at the end of the day, these guys are getting paid and they've got a family and yeah, it, it seems like fantasy land to us, but these are real guys with real problems and real car payments and real mortgages and, you know, real alimony or whatever the hell they got going on. And, you know, they want to keep that job. And if the owner is not in lockstep with them, they're going to have a real hard time making sound uh, decisions along the way. And we see it time and time again in all these, you know, teams and, and the ones where they are, you know, Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick, there was no sweat and no problem last year. They had their plan. They moved forward. And and when you see teams like the Bears and, you know, obviously the Texans uh, and others, uh, that's exactly what it is. It always comes down to ownership. And and you've pointed that out along the way in both of your takedowns. I mean, owners were, were certainly not, uh, um, you know, uh, escaping your wrath. Yeah, we well, we've done three. Uh, the first one was the Browns, and oh, we yeah, very much right. highlighted Jimmy Haslam. And 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 I think that Jimmy Haslam maybe has come around a little bit. You know, every time that you think that a bad owner has come around, uh, I mean, they do this dance like every three years in Washington with with Dan Snyder for the last two decades. They've been doing this. Oh, maybe he's maybe he's not you know involved in the football decisions anymore. And then it comes out that he literally handpicked Dwayne Haskins. 
You know, in, in Cleveland, it seems like maybe Jimmy Haslam is, is coming around a little bit. But at the time, I mean, he was a major problem. I mean, he was like pitting guys against each other in the front office. Joe Banner and Mike Lombardi could not work together, you know, and then Sashi Brown and Hugh Jackson could not w- work together. Um, and then uh, with the Giants, I, it was I, I think it was very clear when we did that deep dive that uh, John Mara was, was a major problem. Um, and then uh, uh, with the uh, with the Texans, th- their ownership has been very problematic from Bob McNair to now his son, Cal McNair, uh, just you know, these, these, these young kids that like inherit the team from their dad, uh, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not often prepared to make like tough decisions. And when you're an owner, you, you have to make tough decisions year to year. Yeah. So you're, you could be the transition King right there because speaking of owners, sons who've taken over franchises and, you know, maybe not made the most optimal decisions, the Raiders, <laughs> uh, the Raiders, uh, dismantling their offensive line, trading all of their uh, their valuable pieces on the offensive line for, I think, a cumulative of a third and fifth round pick, uh, getting no cap relief, and then signing Kenyon Drake seems like the way to go, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I that that was strange to me. I mean, this is a team that I, you could argue. Well, even last year, I think you could argue that the Raiders had a top ten offensive line, if not top five. There were times where I thought that. They had a legit top five offensive line. They, I didn't expect them to be as good as they as they were. Tom Cable has like never ran uh, productive offensive lines, um, but they they were very good last year. At times dominant, and now it has been dismantled. Um, and that's not a good uh, recipe for Derek Carr, who is a player that you know is much better when he's protected. Doesn't like to have you know guys around his feet. You know, needs like three to five yards of space between him and any defender. And then, I mean, Derek Carr can be pretty efficient in those scenarios. But uh, it looks like they're 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 headed in the in the wrong direction for sure. With all the the all the losses, the cuts that they've that they've made, their offensive line is a huge question mark right now. Right. I mean, and and you know, we've had some fun here talking about a few teams and a few spots. But let's talk about dynasty right here. I mean, talk about. Whether it's redraft, dynasty, best ball, I mean, this is not good for Josh Jacobs. This is not good for Kenyon Drake. This is not good for Derek Carr. This is not good for any of those receiving weapons. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I suppose the receiving weapons will kind of get their whatever you know their targets are. You know, whether they're in comeback mm-hmm. mode or whatever. But I just don't like it for any of those offensive weapons. Uh, but especially Josh Jacobs right now, who mm-hmm. you know isn't necessarily a player who creates in space and through catching the football. I mean, he kind of needs a little bit, a little bit blocked for him because I mean he's kind of a two down thumper. I, we all agree mm-hmm. that he has a skill set past that. But I am not super excited about uh, owning jo- Josh Jacobs here going forward, especially with Kenyon Drake there to do exactly what I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean it's to an extent, an indictment of Josh Jacobs that the Raiders went out and got Kenyon Drake. They were just like, we need to get another guy. I mean, Josh Jacobs, I think we we can agree that he's good. I mean, he, he's yes. a, a tackle breaker. We know he can play in the passing game. He just doesn't get those opportunities. But, you know, he has dealt with so many nagging injuries over the past two years. I mean, he just he couldn't practice last year. And you know, it was kind of like a miracle that he made. I think he played in 14 games or maybe even 15 the year before. He only missed three games. 
Um, and, I, and I think he's good. But, you know, again, you go back to his college career, he wasn't a, a true bell cow there. He technically played behind Damian Harris at Alabama. So and it's hard to take a pounding or 270 carry pounding in the NFL for anyone. Um, and, you know, maybe that's he, he needs to be a guy that, you know, gets 200 carries, not 280. And, you know, it is used more in the passing game. I, I've kind of lost my optimism for the, for them to truly make a commitment to him in the passing game. One of the, you know, the, the, the rhetoric surrounding the, the Kenyon Drake signing was that the Raiders are going to use Kenyon Drake in the passing game. Um, so that doesn't bode well for Josh Jacobs either. Not at all. And presumably fewer red zone, uh, you know, uh, you know, drives uh, with that offensive line. I, it's just, it's not looking good. So I am, I am definitely dubious of what they're trying to do there and what they did do. And, um, you know, what, you know, while we were kind of getting together on this pod, there was one other one that, that, that signed and, you know, I'll throw it at you, the Will Fuller to the Dolphins and kind of what the Dolphins are doing. I don't know if they've done anything else since we kind of got on here. I've been prepping and getting my kids going and stuff like that. But uh, Will Fuller on a one-year deal, that's kind of perfect for both teams. Uh, certainly, I mean, for both both parties, both the team, and certainly Will Fuller. I think he gets a chance to go there and and cash in if he can if he can stay healthy and and uh, you know and and hide the steroid usage just enough to keep him on the field. Uh, what what do you say there? I mean, I love Will Fuller, and you know he's a true difference maker on the field. You know, you look at the split stats of Deshaun Watson in his career when Will Fuller has been playing versus when he has not been playing. And Deshaun Watson averages like a yard and a half more pass attempts, almost uh, two times as many passing scores. So so Will Fuller is a difference maker, even in games where he's like dropping passes or, you know, he's, um, he's hop, you know, not a hundred percent out there. Just his field presence makes a big, big difference for the offense. And, um, but, you know, at the same time, like the, the quarterback situation is still up in the air in Miami. I think if they if they are able to make a move for Deshaun Watson, Tua would probably uh, be a part of that. Right. Um, and then they have a ton of ammunition. Uh, I mean, they they played their quote unquote tank perfectly. They, yes. They did. They did it in 2019. Um, and you know the, the way that they were able to stockpile draft picks and 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 get their salary cap right and you know, at least take the shot on, on, on Tua. I, I don't know if he's going to be the answer or not, but I mean, they're, they're a talented team, a talented young team, well-coached uh, with in, in very good salary cap position with a ton of assets. I think they're the perfect team to make a run at Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, assuming that this lawsuit thing uh, sorts itself out. Yeah. As a Patriot, as a Patriots fan, I do not like the way you're talking to me right now. So why don't you stop talking like that? No, I'm just kidding. I actually agree. The, the, the dolphins make perfect sense for, uh, for Tua. Um, I mean, for, for, for Deshaun, uh, they are a team on the rise. They've got good organizational structure right now that, you know, the front office and coaching staff seem to be on the same page. The offensive line is being built seemingly the right way. Uh, they do have draft capital. They can, they can trade that early. They, they, they can give Houston their pickback. Um, and, uh, right. And, and give them Tua and who knows what else, but those two pit, those two alone certainly are a good centerpiece, uh, of a, of a gigantic package for, for Deshaun Watson. And 
I, I had a conversation with with a fellow uh, Pats fan on the la- Dan on the last uh, podcast, and I I jokingly asked him. He's a Patriots fan. I said, "Dude, if the if you read tomorrow that the Patriots traded their next ten first round picks for Deshaun Watson, would you be upset?" And he said, "No." And it's, I kind of agree. Like, what's too much for that guy? Like, there isn't really anything that's too much because once you have him, if you have any sort of a team around him, you have a very good chance of winning. And without him. You don't really. So what the hell's the difference? You know, just go all in for this kid. If it's if it's Tua, that pick, and two or three other firsts, really, who gives a shit? Just push it all in and go for it. Yep, I'm with you, man. I'm yeah? with you. And I, Let's go. awesome reuniting Deshaun Watson with Will Fuller and, Devon, you know, Devontae Parker and Jacecki. I mean, yo, yeah. we're talking about – Maybe maybe I should put a futures bet on on the Dolphins right now to win the Super Bowl, just in case they get Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. What what are their odds? Let's look it up. Live betting right now. I don't know. I I will look it up right now. Yeah, look, look it, up. it up right now. I have you bet any? Have well, you bet any futures yet? You know, just just the Redskins, baby. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm half, I'm I'm half kid. Yeah, I'm half kidding. Football team. Good friend of mine's a Redskins fan, and you know he did uh, place a he did place a hundred dollar bet. I think they were huge, uh, a huge um, uh, fa- uh, underdog to win, and I, I don't remember exactly what they were. They were over sixty to one, I believe. So it's a pretty nice, pretty nice uh, score. For I took team. I I took them to uh, yeah I took them to uh, win the division. It was uh, three to one. I mean, first of all, to win a division, all you got to do is finish first out of four teams, right? And when the teams that you're competing against are you know. The Giants, the, the the Eagles are very much in a state of transition. I think they might actually do a short-term tank. Um, and then, I mean, the Cowboys are dangerous. The Cowboys are the favorite in the division. Right. But, I mean, at, at, at plus 300, three to one, just to finish first out of four teams, like that that was a no-brainer to me with, with Washington. Well, you saw my show sheet sent over to you. I I, I had Red, uh, Washington football team. Sorry, I don't mean to call them Redskins. My apologies. I'm an old guy. Uh, but uh, you saw Washington football team. Do you think they're the favorite in the East, in the NFC East? And so you can see that we're on the same page there. I think with that defense, while you're looking up, with that defense, um, you know, the, the defensive front, and now weapons all over the place, Curtis Samuel. Oh, my God, you're getting me excited. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick able to sort of yeah. be that wild card if they're down. I mean, who better to have it chucking around than than Fitz? You know. Yeah, Washington is fifty to one to win the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl's tough. I mean, it's still Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know, but I know they're they're going to be a fun team. They're going to be a fun team. The Dolphins are at twenty eight to one. I think that's fine. And shoot, if they if they get Deshaun Watson, I mean, it's I bet they to move one. to like twelve to one. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, they go to ten or twelve yeah. to one. Absolutely, it probably higher than twelve. The number probably should be twelve, but the excitement would get them down to eight or ten to one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's. So I just put a little something on there. <laughs> Live betting. You heard it here first on the pod. The degenerates, uh, uh, you know, this is the degenerates pod too. I, I, I openly welcome all degenerates to listen and to participate. Now you can see why we just go straight to you know, good ideas. We bet it. We, we're, we're on it. So let's uh, let's move along here. Um, you got you got all right. We we've covered all all the negativity. Now let's talk about the positivity. We were talking a little about the Redskins. I thought the Patriots were another team that you know did some some stuff that I look. I'm a Patriots fan and I loved. Janu, I love that. And then when they did Hunter Henry, I was a little confused. 
Aguilar, I'm not a, I, you know, I think when it came right down to it, if I, if I had to figure out what the hell they were doing, I think that they had Aguilar as a cut above. It must have some of these other players like Corey Davis and, you know, and some of these others, other than maybe mm-hmm. Galladay and, you know, maybe just Galladay because. And, and, and Corey Davis is, Corey Davis has whipped them. I mean, Corey Davis has beat up on the Patriots historically. Yeah. Like the old Wes Welker you know? reason they traded yeah. for Wes Welker, you know, he kept killing them. So he traded for him. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I think that last year, realistically, there, if you were to rank where their roster ranked in terms of talent across the league, probably in the 20 to 27 range. Yeah, I was going to say um, bottom five. I mean, offense was just yeah. future. They had no quarterback play. I mean, you know, they yeah. couldn't push the ball down the field. They had zero tight ends. Their running backs, yeah. their running back room had to have been in the bottom five. I mean, in total talent all the way through. I, I, James White, whatever. I mean, um, you know, so yeah, they just didn't have any pop. They had no speed. They had no nothing to push the push the ball down the field. Their quarterback couldn't throw it down the field if they had that speed, but they didn't. So all the safeties were playing up, I and mean, they had no chance. The only way they could win was in a was in a rock fight. And their defense was good. Their secondary was good, but their front could get pushed around, and so they really had a hard time, you know, yeah. competing in a rock fight. Yeah. This year, I think with their additions on they, the front, they, they yeah. actually might have been. They actually might have been worse than twenty or twenty seven. I agree with you. It, it, was, it was probably like, like twenty five, twenty nine. <laughs> yeah. So, so can they? They. I mean, well, let me ask you this: as a Patriots fan, because we, Cam showed, you know, Cam went into last season with questions about was he ever going to be as good of a runner, and also, you know, would his arms stay on because it had like fallen off, you know, the previous two years at the end of the season. Um, he answered questions that I mean, he's still a really good athlete. Totally. Right. I mean, he's, he finished third among quarterbacks in rushing yards. He led all quarterbacks in rushing TDs. Um, but can he get that? And God, we saw that that flash in week two against Seattle. Seattle. It was, he looked so good. Man. So good. But then it was, you know, and he also got COVID. And he said that that really threw him off. So, but but now with the full offseason under McDaniels, under Belichick, let's assume that they don't get any other quarterbacks that are, you know, of note. Um, do you think that he can, you know, with the addition of Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, et cetera, et cetera, um, uh, can, can Cam Newton, uh, you know, be revitalized as a passer? I mean, is that within his range of potential outcomes? It has to be right. Because he's done it before the, 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 the problem we have, and you're right, that Seattle game, I remember watching and thinking, we're here. This is it. This yep. is all we need. Because yep. Belichick can coach, you know, through some of his shortcomings, which is accuracy and whatnot. But later in the year, when he just looked like, uh, just to make the joke, it looked like the ball was a little bit overinflated. No, I'm joking. Uh, it looked heavy though, right? It did. It did look like it had something else in there that was like, like he just, you know, Phil Rivers sort of threw it that way sometimes, where it looked like it was like a 20 pound ball sometimes, you know, and. Phil Rivers would get it there, of course. Uh, you know, he, he was really good at delivering, as uh, as his wife will tell you. But, um, you know, he, Cam just had a hard time getting the ball, you know, with any sort of velocity anywhere, and it looked really bad. So if his shoulder is bad, then all bets are off. But if he can somehow – I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with this. I'm not a fucking doctor, you know. But, like, if he can get that thing strong where he can just put just average amount of zip on it, like literally league average arm strength, then I think – of course they have a shot because they've, they've got the two great tight ends. They can play that sort of RPO game. You know, I don't know if they're, they, they've been linked to both um, uh, Carson and Connor, I think. 
but at least Carson a little bit. So I think they're looking for a little bit more like, oh, Fournette. That was the other one they were they were linked to. Uh, so Carson and Fournette. I mean, mm. I, I don't know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm going to get there. Hold hold on. Hold on. I'm getting there. But, um, but I, yeah, I think they absolutely have the, the ability to get there. I mean, obviously, they're going to swing and miss on some wide receiver in the draft, and I'm excited for that, see who that is. But um, other than that, I mean, yeah, I think they, they, they shored up a defense where their secondary was really strong, but now it looks like the front with Van Oy and others. You know, I think that they're going to be better up front, obviously, with Judon. So, yeah, their defense could be definitely top half, if not top 5'10". Yeah. Um, and if they can play that way, then they can win the rock fight. You know, with Cam, and I'm, I, I admit that I, I'm always looking for signs of optimism, or just reasons to be optimistic about Cam. Adam Levitan and I go back and forth on Cam. And I mean, yeah, he was pretty much right last year about Cam, and I, I was wrong. Not that I was super, super high on him, but I liked him as like in the top 15. And, you know, Adam just hates anybody that he considers to be old, even though Cam Newton isn't actually it's old. Like 32. He's, actually, he's 31. Right? 31. I mean, he'll, he'll, he turns 32 in May. Right. But, um, but if you look at his raw numbers last year and you don't look at uh, touchdown inter- interception ratio, which we know is, is kind of a flawed stat. Obviously, it, it matters a lot for fantasy. But if you look at, I mean, 7.2 yards per pass attempt, that is not a bad number for him uh, over the course of his career. Um, uh, uh, 83 passer rating is not terrible either. Uh, 66% completion rate and... Um, uh, I, I mean, you know, again, the, the rushing statistics that, that he brought to the table, too. I mean, right. I don't know. Uh, again, I'm looking for I mean, that was the lowest. Yeah. Uh, we know that TD rate is super, super volatile uh, in, in, you know, having studied this stuff over the years in fantasy. His TD rate was two point two percent, which right. is just completely abysmal and probably probably largely a reflection of his supporting cast. And now his supporting cast. Yes. Right, that's a weapons deal, and now he's got you know two stud tight ends that both have good histories in the red zone. Um, I do still think that they need another vertical presence. Like I would have loved to have seen them sign John Brown. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that Aguilar is truly that guy. I, he's he's got some speed, but I, I don't think he's truly a vertical receiver. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, I I do listen to your pods and. You know, I specifically listened to the one you did with Levitan just before this one, and you made my ears ring because, you know, the Patriots are sitting there at 15. They've got a few assets. Um, They have Cam Newton in tow. If I were looking to build an offense around Cam Newton and or a younger quarterback that's just like Cam Newton, at least to some degree, I I would be targeting Trey Lance in this draft. And if there was a way that I could move up to get Trey Lance and have him have him play behind Cam, and if Cam gets hurt or just can't perform, you just shove him in. But if you can wait, maybe let Cam play this year out. <clears throat> Excuse me, let the sort of quote unquote raw prospect of Trey Lance learn the NFL game, learn the ropes one year, and play him next year. I think that would be optimal, and then you don't have to change your whole offense. So um, I heard you say it, so I already know you agree. But t- tell everybody a little bit about why why you think that's such a great match. Uh, pretty much for all the reasons that you just lined out, you know, the, the, the biggest knock on Trey Lance is that he only had 17 college starts. Uh, you know, one of the knocks on Cam Newton coming out was that he only had, I think like 13 starts. He was only a, a one year starter. If you, if you don't count junior college, um, 
But oh man, Trey Lance, I mean, just the 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 toolbox that this dude has, he I mean, I, I think he could still go as high as number two to the Jets. I mean, sure. I, I think that he that he's that talented. Um, and it's, it, it would take quite a bit of ammo for the Patriots to move up for 15 to where I think that he's going to go. But, um, but I mean, they, they do have some, some pretty good ammo. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll end up falling. I, I, I don't know. It's, it, you know, I don't think that anybody has a, a truly good grasp on, on how the draft is going to go yet, especially since free agency hasn't even finished. Exactly. And, but typically what we, what we know is that the quarterbacks go sooner than we think they're going to go every year. And so this year we kind of think they're going to go sooner because we know, you know, because we know that. And so we, we constantly keep pushing them up. I know I did a, a an NFL mock draft in December and I had like, I think I had six quarterbacks in the top 15. That's when we thought Kyle Trask might be good. Uh, pour one out. But, um, but at, at the very least we knew that, that those uh, top tier quarterbacks are going to go at the top end of the draft for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's a lot of quarterback needy teams at the top of the draft. So, I mean, of course they're going to be looking for quarterbacks when, yeah, right. when those, re- when those roles are reversed and guys just, you know, maybe you just drafted a Darnold last year. You're not going to replace him the next year, but at this point, yeah, the jets are ready to, to cut bait. And, you know, so there's a lot of those teams, you know, we thought maybe the the Falcons were going to be one of those teams. And that was actually a popular landing spot for Trey Lance. But with them pushing, you know, the, the Matt Ryan money out for, you know, I think it's like three years now they're going to be on the hook. Like he's playing for the for the Falcons for the next three years or they're in major trouble, uh, you know, uh, against the cap. So they're probably not taking a quarterback now where I thought they might. Um, so there's a couple spots that may may move, but there's just a ton of. Uh, quarterback needy teams at the top and maybe even some surprise ones too. Oh, breaking news. Actually, we do have some breaking news, Mr. Silva. We number one, I mean a big, big wide receiver. Two of the big name wide receivers have changed teams. Uh Brashad Perriman has moved teams as well as Keelan Cole to the Jets. Keelan Cole to the Jets is obviously a an earth mover. Uh, he'll be taking over the wide receiver one chair there over uh, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, and Jamison Crowder. So, uh, you know, go trade for Keelan Cole in Dynasty. Am I right? No. No. Oh, no sorry. No, no. Sorry. Sorry. Bad advice. Wrong podcast. But uh, but seriously. No, but it, but it does, it does it does give them some solid depth. I mean, this was a team that struggled with uh, wideout injuries all last season. Keelan Cole can theoretically play all three receiver positions. He was primarily a slot receiver last year. There have been some rumors that they might cut Jamison Crowder. They should not do that. Uh, Jamison Crowder is a really good slot receiver. I mean, he, and he's given them, he's given them great snaps when he's been healthy. Totally, uh, I think their their three, their three receiver set has a lot of potential on paper with Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, and Jamison Crowder. And I think Keelan Cole will be an excellent number four receiver. I don't think you enter the season relying on him as your number three. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you look at you look at Corey Davis. He's prototypical X receiver. I mean, he really is. And whether or not he's good or not, I don't know. We're, you know, it still remains to be seen. I'm sort of a slight Corey Davis truther. Um, you know that 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 Tennessee offense was never exactly um, you know perfect for his skill set. Um, but at the same time, he showed flashes. Uh, but he was somewhat inconsistent. Was that because of the offense? Was that, who knows? I mean. You know, let's face it, he's not truly elite, but he may be better than he showed in Tennessee. And if there's target, you know, competition there, in other words, if 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 
Crowder is manning the middle, and Mims can stretch the field. Dude is fast. He ran under a 4-4. I don't remember, 4-3-8, 4-3-5, something like that. Dude can blaze, and he's a big kid. So, I mean, if, if Mims can be sort of left free a little bit, that's some trouble. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about who they might bring in yeah. as their quarterback. I think it's going to be Sack Wilson. Whether that's a good thing, bad thing, or otherwise, I don't know what your thoughts are there. I'm kind of coming around to Zach Wilson. Uh, every time I watch uh, you know, some of his tape, he's he's got that electric arm that kind of gets it to the outside, uh, uh, the perimeters of the field. And I think with Mims and Corey Davis, that's kind of what you want. You want a guy who can get it there quick. You know, the, the windows are somewhat small on the outside because of how far it is and you know, because of those big body clashers. But I think he's got that type of skill set. So it, it may be a good match for them. What are your thoughts there? Well, they certainly need a quarterback to unlock the potential because it's these are, are pure potential guys. Denzel Mims right. really, although I agree with you on his skill set, you know, I mean, I, I thought he reminded me of Kenny Galladay coming out of uh, uh, Baylor, uh, and then Corey Davis. Corey Davis did have a really nice se- nice season last year, but you know, he's also the the you know the the path of least resistance for the defense because AJ Brown is just an absolute monster, and he's not going to have any you know AJ Brown playing. Across room, Bingo. so it's 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 a lot of you know in theory stuff here with the Jets receivers uh, and Herndon is another uh, in theory guy <laughs> for sure. Um, so they need a quarterback to to truly unlock. I don't know if it'll be Zach Wilson. I, I bet Justin Fields right. to go to them just because I got it at five to one and uh, Zach Wilson is like minus three fifty to go number two to the Jets. So well, there you go. I mean, you you don't you don't bet you know, on, 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 on a, a guy to go number two overall this far out. No, at, I agree. At, at minus three fifty. you know, you, you take the longer shot. I didn't, but, I didn't, I didn't know that yeah. was the odds. I mean, that is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I would think I it's closer than that. So I'm with you. I think the value is where you got it. Right. Right. But either way they, they need a, a quarterback and I, I, that is capable of unlocking those guys. And I think they're definitely taking a quarterback at number two, you know, no question about it. And they're just going to kind of see what they what they can get for Sam Darnold. I don't think that Sam Darnold is going to be the guy. Right. There's been a little bit of uh, Twitter media, you know, leaks about Sam Darnold not being good and all this stuff. I I don't know what that that's all about. Um, you know, maybe he's not good. I don't know. I, I've kind of been you know notably higher on Sam Darnold than others. Uh, you know, citing his his youth coming out, citing the gaze factor, which we know is real, citing a lot of things. That, I mean, weapons not being very good, the offensive line not being very good. I mean, he really hasn't been dealt any uh, advantages so far in the league. That doesn't mean he's good, but it certainly doesn't mean he's bad. What are your thoughts about Sam Darnold? Is there a shot or is he just Josh Rosen 2.0? He's not Josh Rosen 2.0. I mean, he's actually played well for stretches in his career. Um, it's just I, I, I'm worried about his confidence. I mean, he's a guy that I mean, he can't, he he. I think he's worse now than he was when he came into the league. You know yeah. what? Four years ago, and, and that's like a little scary. And you know the seeing ghost stuff. That that's actually I mean that's common football terminology like in the league, but. Yes. You know the, the the fact how much that got played out. You know over and over, and I'm sure that. Dudes are, you know, reminding him of that on the field, like when they're playing. He, as you mentioned, he's still really young, and you know, I don't know, maybe a little immature. I mean, shoot, who wasn't immature when they were twenty three, you know, or twenty two years old? I mean, so you know, that's that's a lot to be put on that dude in, you know, in freaking New York. Yes, and um, I think he definitely needs a change of scenery. I think he's a guy that might have a career path, sort of like 
Rich Gannon or even Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, you know, takes a while to kind of get it, maybe has to be a backup for a while, but comes back. I mean, because the skill set is there. I mean, there was a reason that he was drafted what, you know, as, as early as he was. And it, maybe if he finds a better situation, he matures a little bit. Um, but I, he's got to get out of, out, out of that situation. No doubt. I mean, at this point, it's, you know, I thought for a moment they could build around him and trade that number two pick for a treasure trove of assets. And I just think that ship has sailed. I think you're right. I think his his mindset is not strong enough to carry that situation. And, you know, it's kind of like Mariota even. You know, Mariota, when, you know, after the game last year with the with the Raiders, when he went out and balled, um, the, the, the interview with him, he revealed that he was a broken man. You know, he literally said it. I mean, he was broken emotionally, physically, and and you know, here's this kid. I mean, how old is Mariota? 26, 27. I don't even know. Like, not that old. And he's talking about himself in the past tense. Not in a that way old. That, yeah, he's talking about himself in the in the way a, in a past tense way that 27 year old people don't talk about themselves, right? You know that he's had to go through so much, and so it's heavy, man. These guys get a lot of burden placed upon them, and we have to remember they're human. And like you say, when I was 22, I was not carrying the franchise of, a, you know, of the New York jets on my back with Adam Gaze trying to lead me there. So that's a, that's a, that's a handicap. And so whether or not he's able to, you know, change his scenery and find his way again, I certainly am, am rooting for him, but, um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the writing's on the wall. Is, is there anywhere you see him going? There's one other player I want to ask you about too, but is there anywhere you see him going that where he could actually make, get a chance at a starting role? I mean, not, he's not going to be traded as a starter, that we know. But is there anywhere you see him going where it's like, hey, you know, he might be able to right. compete? Um, I was thinking Washington for a while, but I'm not sure. I think that they their, their depth chart might actually be set with Fitzpatrick and uh, uh, Kyle Allen and Heineke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe still the Bears. I <sighs> – I, I truly believe he needs to be go. He needs to go be a backup somewhere, sort of like Mariota. And I think yes. that's a very good, very nice parallel. Um, I, I don't know exactly where that might be. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not sure either. And, and when you try and think about it, you, you sort of start running through the list of of spots, and you're like, nope, nope, right. nope, nope. And the same thing could be true about Gardner Minshew. Uh, obviously, the the Jaguars mm-hmm. will be selecting Trevor Lawrence at the top of the draft. I think they. I jokingly uh, surmised last year that they benched Gardner because they he was too good. I mean, he's not so good, but he was too good for the number one pick. Yeah. And if they had played him all year, they might have won two or three games. So they were afraid to play his ass, and and so now he gets to move on. And look, he's got everything that Baker Mayfield wish he had in terms of moxie and and gravitas and all that bullshit. But you know, he he might actually be a little a good little football player too. He's also young. Um, is there any chance he finds his way into a competition anywhere in the NFL as well? Because, I mean, someone's going to trade for him, right? Or are they going to keep him? What's going to happen with, with, with Gardner? I don't, well, I, don't, I don't know why they would trade him because he's cheap and he's like a good backup. So it makes the most sense for them to keep him unless they're blown away with an offer. I, I think he just enters the season as the backup to Trevor Lawrence. And then if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt, uh, then they've got you know a scrappy, nice little backup that can maybe move the ball in, in an offense that I think is has got a lot of potential. Actually, um, they they they've got a, a good amount of talent on that offense. I I, I, lo- I like the signing of Marvin Jones, gives Absolutely. them some stability 
at wideout DJ Shark. I think Trevor Lawrence is the kind of quarterback that could truly unlock DJ Shark. Um, you know, Chenault, my goodness, he I, he reminds me of like Brandon Marshall when he came out of UCF in that first year, and you you just saw the flashes, yeah. and all of a sudden he just exploded. Um, I mean, the, if you can get Lavisca Chenault in a dynasty league right now, I mean, I, I I would try to get him because I he he looks like uh, an absolute monster. Is Lavisca Chenault their slot receiver? Like, um, do you know what I, I mean? Like. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, well, I, yeah, that, I, I think that he probably is actually. Right? Yeah. Like, cause yeah. I think Marvin Jones will play Z Chark will play X. I mean, obviously they'll move guys yeah. around, but in general, I think he's there kind of like, which is kind of exciting is my point, because I think he's a guy that they can, you know, run jet sweep, run little wide receiver screens, bubble screens, you know, all these sort of fun things. And, you know, I saw someone uh, mention that you know Trevor Lawrence threw the ball twenty three percent of the time behind the line of scrimmage. In other words, you know either to his backs or you know to to wide receiver screens and things like that. So Chenault is perfect in that way. Um, you know, obviously Chark is a downfield monster. Marvin Jones is a middle of the field maven. Just to rhyme, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but you know, but Marvin Jones does man the middle of the field. Chark is on the outside, and I think Chenault is that sort of do everything. And he's got great speed. I mean, we don't know what he has for speed because he was hurt at the combine. But let me try, let me tell you, he's fast, right? So I think you know uh, who's their tight end right now. Is that is that a real question? <laughs> they no, that's kind of that's kind of the issue. Is they really don't. They traded away Josh Oliver. Eifert is a free agent. So um, I think James O'Shaughnessy is a free agent too. Right. So I, I, I'm sort of thinking that they – I'm sort of thinking that they might run a lot of four-receiver sets. They've got Colin Johnson too right. who kind of flashed some jump ball ability. He's a huge dude. Yes. Uh, and adds a, another element to their to their you know their four-receiver uh, uh, depth chart. But, yeah, he's um, a pseudo tight end, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they might wind up playing a lot of spread. I mean, this is an Urban Meyer coach team that we're talking about. So while we're on Jacksonville, we are going to swing back around. we got something else we got to talk about. But <clears throat> while we're on Jacksonville, I'm going to ask you a question or bring up a subject that I brought up uh, on my Dynasty show many times, and that's the James Robinson situation. Um, I think, yeah, you did. You mentioned it today, or I think it was the pod just recently with Levitan about Philip Lindsay. And about uh, there was another undrafted back you guys were referencing, and you're like, "Damn, the NFL just hates Mike Boone." Mike Mike Boone. Boone. There, there it is. You're like, "The NFL just hates these yeah. undrafted backs. They just don't give them the cred." Yada yada. And and I know that to be true. And when I see James Robinson, I don't see an undrafted back, but that doesn't matter. He is an undrafted back, so for that very reason, he is uh, fragile in dynasty. Just period. Like you can just say he's undrafted. Bing. He's uh, he's fragile. That's that. <clears throat> now. They brought in Carlos Hyde. That is the best news that they could have ever made for James Robinson because Carlos Hyde is washed. He's not good. He's old. I mean, he's not going to take any meaningful carries away from James Robinson. But that does now open the door for them to potentially, you know, if they'd have brought in Jamal Williams, I'd have said there's no way they're they're going to spend a top, you know, three round draft pick on a running back. But with Carlos Hyde there. It does open the door for them to get a little greedy in the draft. And a lot of people will will say to me, well, why would they do that? They're, they already have their guy. And I've always referenced they have they have too many picks. They have a lot of picks. They've got like um they've got like five picks in the top 70 or something like that. Like they've just got too much capital 
where they could feel compelled to spend one of them on a luxury pick like a Najee Harris in that early first round. They have that that pick 33. They come out of the, you know, if someone's sitting there like Najee Harris, they're going to wake up on, you know, Friday morning and be like, we're getting fucking Najee Harris, bro. Like, I can just see it happening. And so for that reason, but do you think that that's possible? Or would you sort of go against me and say there's no chance they're doing that? Uh, no, with that sort of pick allotment, then, you know, there's a, a very good chance that they could be sitting there at, I don't know, say pick number 70 and they have, you know, uh, some running back as like their 35th overall player. And they're like, we can't pass on him. Yeah. Jamar so, Jefferson, yeah, James Hubbard, some of those guys. Yes, absolutely. Right. Right. So, um, I, I think that I, I totally agree that Carlos Hyde, if somehow, James Robinson can make it out of this thing with just Carlos Hyde being the, 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 the single biggest addition at the running back position uh, that the Jaguars make this offseason, and they don't take a running back until, I don't know, maybe like the fifth round. Uh, James Robinson, you know, bye. Yes. But, uh, but, but he is still hanging by a thread. I think he's probably – he's still a sell in Dynasty um, just because all, all that, that draft capital that the Jaguars had – I, it's somewhat noteworthy that Carlos Hyde played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State, um, but I still agree with you. I think at the end of the day, like James Robinson is going to outplay Carlos Hyde uh, on the practice field, and therefore he's going to earn the, the vast majority of touches in the event that, again, the Jaguars don't take um, a running back in the first couple rounds. Yeah, yeah. Carlos Hyde played for uh, Urban Meyer. I think he was also drafted by Trent Baalke, wasn't he, uh, in, at San Francisco? Yes, yes. So wow. there's, there's, nice pull, Jax Falcone. Nice pull. Right? I mean, so yeah, they this is a love affair. This is a little bit like they're, you know, they're crushed. They yeah. brought him in. This is they're yeah. dating now. This well, is well, that, serious. That, maybe 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 that means they really do like Carlos Hyde and then they won't draft a, a running back early right. and then we can get the, the James <laughs> Robinson experience back. I don't know. That's right. It's just again, these these but it's still, you know, it could go any way. I think still at the end of the day, James Robinson's probably a sell. And, and I think if you're trying to sell him in Dynasty, you sell him to your opponent on the fact that, hey, they just signed Carlos Hyde. He stinks. That prop, you know, um, or, you know, James Robinson can be able to smoke the Runway's him clear. He, right, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. And and look, you know, I, I the, the thing that I, I get a little bit weird about is like, People are like, no, he's good, man. James Robinson. I'm like, I know he's great. He's great. I see that. I think actually Philip Lindsay, who I think you guys like as well. Yeah, I think Philip Lindsay's good. Like he's tough as nails. That kid runs hard. He's quick, gets to the edge. He can catch the football. Like, what is it that he doesn't do? Or even a better question, what was he not doing that Melvin Gordon was doing that they needed to pay his ass, you know, $18 million to come in and do the same thing or or worse, you know? So I it just I've just seen this movie over and over again where you know, they, they do something sub suboptimal just because it's the NFL, you know. And so that, that was my fear with James Robinson. If you're holding him, he could turn into a pumpkin real quick. You know, Najee Harris turns him into a pumpkin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they get someone like Najee Harris, like that dude is going to be running the show in the backfield. Right. You know, and, and so that's a problem. And, and, and James Robinson – and then they love Carlos Hyde and they trust Carlos Hyde. James Robinson ends up like inactive on game days. I mean, all the, all these kind of scenarios are in play here. And that's why I think that James Robinson is still a sell, even though 
I think the best case scenario in free agency was for the Jaguars to sign someone like Carlos Hyde. Yeah, I think you and I both agree here that the the, the floor ceiling is very, very huge on, on James Robinson because his ceiling – in that offense, if they go to this spread and if they don't sign anybody meaningful, and if they, you know, I suppose they could even still sign like a, you know, Chris Carson. It's, I mean, I don't suspect they will. I really don't, but they could. Um, but as long as they don't, his ceiling is is top five back in the NFL, uh, you know, in a fantasy, excuse me, in a fantasy purpose. And his floor is, like you said, inactive uh, on a weekly basis, which, you know, we would all lament. But uh, there's something I want to circle back to because we, we were talking real quick during our break. Uh, you know, about uh, about Mitch Trubisky signing with the Bills and he signed for like two and a half million, two seven five, whatever it was. So just call it three million, just round up here. I mean, we both agreed with, without a without a question. And Michael, our producer, also was like a hundred percent if we were running the Bears, we'd rather have Trubisky at three million than than Dalton at ten or eleven. But please just tell me again what the hell are the Bears doing or what what is going on? Again, they are a directionless franchise, you know, where the decision makers are trying to keep their jobs and um, they're not making, you know, program building moves. It's also true, though, that Matt Nagy and actually Michael Wilbon said this uh, publicly on the the Rich Eisen show. And I'd heard it. I I know some Bears beat writers and they told me this before that Matt Nagy, just not a fan of Trubisky, um, you know for lack of better phraseology, doesn't think he's real, real bright. Um, and never wanted to, never wanted to build an offense around Trubisky's strengths and weaknesses. That was evident. And, um, that was evident. And um, they, they, I guess there was just no chance of Trubisky returning. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like the move by the Bills. I, I think that if Josh Allen were to go down, like they – they could scheme an offense because Brian Dayball has shown himself to be Bingo. very, very flexible. Uh, they could be highly competitive still with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, you know, surrounded by Steph Diggs and, and Cole Beasley and, um, you know, all, all the guys at the Gabriel Davis and Emmanuel Sanders and, you know, a very, a very good offensive line. I believe they're returning all five starters again. Um, I, great signing by the Bills. I, I love what the Bills have been doing these past couple of years. I mean, I, I think everybody has to appreciate that. Absolutely. I mean, as a Patriots fan, I hate the the Dolphins and Bills finally getting their shit together, but they are, man. And, and both teams are very hard to root against because they're doing it the right way. Um, and you know, last year during the playoffs, I was I was I was talking about Josh Allen. It's like I'm supposed to hate this guy as a Patriots fan or whatever, you know. He, I can't, man. It's like he's the coolest thing ever. It's awesome. Like the Bills are so lovable. Everything they're doing is awesome. Love everything they're doing there. And you're right. You know, Mitch Trubisky is a sort of a, you know, a, a dollar store version of Josh Allen, right? I mean, at least they don't have to change scheme. I mean, they'll have to certainly dial it back a little bit. It's not as good, but he's mobile. He can run. He can escape. He can get loose. And he's kind of a bit of an X factor. I mean, he's he's had some huge games. I mean, you know, he's been a millie maker. He's made yeah. people millions of dollars. Trubisky has done that, you know, yeah, because yes. if you right, like on countless countless occasions, like like two or three hey, times. If, if you if you if if you just if you if you make it simple for him, right, and you put design runs in the playbook for Mitchell Trubisky, which Matt Nagy hated doing, right. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky can can move the football on offense. Right, exactly. Nagy was running like Peyton Manning offense with uh, with Trubisky and frustrated that he couldn't do it. It's like, what an idiot. So I've got one for you. 
I've got one for you. So this is coming from, you know, I was thinking about some of the things I could ask you. And this one's my favorite, my favorite question. I, I, so last year, Leonard Fournette, right? So you famously were pretty much the only one standing on the corner shouting with your sign like a crazy person on the street corner saying they might release Leonard Fournette. And everybody was driving by going, look at this wacko, right? Like literally everybody was roasting you saying no chance. You know, I was, and, and so I'll, I'll be honest, I wanted to say that. However, I respected you so damn much. I was like, fuck, could that be right? Like how is, what the hell's wrong with Evan? Is he losing it or am I missing something? And sure as fuck, man, you were right on the money. So my question to you, first of all, congratulations, yada, yada. I'm not going to hear, you know, we're not here to shine you. But the question is, and it's a fair one, did you have inside information or were you reading the tea leaves? No, I was totally reading the tea leaves. I mean, they wanted to trade him. You know, they tried to trade him. They literally couldn't get anything. No one wanted him. And then, you know, that was evident again, you know, when he got released uh, because, you know, they're – I don't know. There were a couple teams interested, but what do you get like one year, three million? I right. mean, the, it, I think it might have even been less than that. The, the you know the Bucks got him for for peanuts. I mean, he's just he's not viewed you know highly around the league. I think that that is a reflection of his on field play. He did it. You know, he was he was solid in the playoffs. You you, you got to give him credit for that. But he's long battled injuries. The the stats that he accumulated in 2019 were you know, so volume based. I mean, that, that was not, you know, he was not an, an efficient <clears throat> player. Um, he, you know, he has the agility of a tugboat. True that. And, um, uh, you know, so, I mean, he, he can be fine for, for short stretches. He's, he's just, he's a replacement level volume back. They weren't interested in, you know, I mean, they, he had no he had no business being on that roster. They wanted to lose last year. The Jaguars did a, a short term. The Jaguars did a short term tank. They they did have uh, incentive to play James Robinson. They did have incentive to play Divine Ozigbo and Ryquel Armstead. Th- that didn't work out for those guys for various reasons. Um, but yeah, no, it was. I did not have inside information. That was it, to me. It, it was just it was common sense. Like. It was common sense. Well, and that's why I respect you so so much. So I motion, and I got plenty of stuff wrong last of course, year. Of course, but, Look, but, at least, but it but it is good when you when you don't have your your best year. It wasn't my best year, but uh, you, you do have something to hang your hat on still. So I'll I'll, I'll I will I will continue to victory lap, lap that Leonard Fournette thing. Um, you know where, where I can and and where it's uh, where it's you know I'm, st- I'm still trying to be respectful that this is a. Uh, it's a very tough. It's very tough to be a, a good prognosticator. A hundred percent. I have a saying, and it's called "be ready to be wrong." Right. So, in other words, always be ready to be wrong. Like, be ready that you're wrong, so you can change quickly. So, as soon as you're wrong, you're not wrong for long. Uh, I'm a poet, and I don't even know it. You know what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is, be ready to be wrong. Know that you're going to be wrong about something. That way, you can be better. But you were right on that. You, 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 you know, I motion to change the word from tea leaves to Silva leaves. That's what I'm calling them from now on because those fucking things are in your hands, man. Nice job. Um, so moving forward now, you, you know, I think you've answered the Thanks. second. I wish I would have been right about it. I wish I would have. I wish that Hakeem Butler would have become something. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Pour um, one out, man. Yeah, pour, pour one, out. one yeah. way the fuck out for Hakeem Butler, man. Um, but that is actually yeah. um, one of those things where it's like late breakout, 
you know, senior year domination, nothing else. Like, you know, we got to look at that stuff. So, although I guess Brandon Ayuk did that yeah, a little bit too, but true. Brandon Ayuk was a junior. Co- you know, it's really hard. I mean, this this stuff is not easy, and that's why you got to be ready to be wrong. But um, yeah. now with Fournette, so yeah. I think you answered my question that you don't think he'll have a meaningful role anywhere. I, I was talking about my Patriots with you, I think a little bit off the air or before, or maybe in, earlier in the show. I don't remember exactly when we hit it. And I, I mentioned Fournette and you kind of gave me the, so you don't really think Fournette has what it takes to, to part, you know, to contribute uh, in a, in a meaningful way. Is, is that what I'm hearing you say? No, I, I, no, no. I mean, I just think that he's, you know, just another guy sure. in a league where there's a ton of running backs that, that are just another guy. He might be a little bit better than, than just another guy. Sure. Um, but, but I mean, he, and he's, and he's also likely, likelier to get opportunities than later round drafted or undrafted guys just because of his draft status. That actually, that, that is true that that follows you throughout your career for whatever reason in the NFL, you know, coaches remember, Oh man, I, I watched, uh, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette on that LSU tape. And, you know, I mean, that, 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 that dude could play back in the day, you know. So, uh, well, he was a know, size. Let's give him a shot. You know, he, is so. a, he is a size speed specimen, and, right? and he did have a good playoff run. He did. Yeah. Yes, he, he is. He's yes, a he size is. speed he, specimen he who can catch well the ball. The playoffs, he can catch the ball. And that that's that's valuable. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, he has yeah. no agility. So, uh, you know, if, if there's someone in his way, he's either running over him or getting tackled. Those are the options not going around him. That's not happening. Um, but he's pretty quick, and if he gets into the open field – so I thought, you know, the, the 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 brilliance of why he was good in the playoffs was they used him properly. Like, they didn't ask him to to sort of create on his own. It was all, you know, um, you know schemed up for him or in the passing game. And so that's where he's going to succeed, you know. And they asked Ronald Jones, who has a little bit more of that pop and, you know, wiggle – not much, but more to to do that, and he he was able to do that, man, dude. I'll give Ronald Jones a lot of credit too, because I was not a big fan of his. He he ran hard last year. I mean, he looked a lot better. But uh, just in terms of Fournette, you know, here in the free agency, I don't think he's signed yet. You know, obviously you'd prefer Chris Carson. Do you think Chris Carson lands anywhere meaningful, or you know, or is that ship sailed too? I mean, I, there's a few spots left where I think Chris Carson could save his fantasy value. Yeah, maybe. I I would like to see Chris Carson back in Seattle. I, mm. That's the best spot for him. True. He's better than all the dudes that they have. Um, uh, Pete Carroll always loved him. Uh, they there was I think there was a, a clash between the front office and the uh, the coaching staff with regard to Chris Carson because the front office wanted you know their first round pick Rashad Penny to succeed and but I mean Chris Carson was better than all those dudes. So I I hope that Chris Carson goes back to Seattle. Is Rashad Penny a thing? Um, it, I mean, it comes down to opportunity. If he's going to get the opportunity right now, it looks like he might get the opportunity, but I don't know. I, I we we haven't seen very many positive moments from Rashad Penny in you know in multiple years in the NFL. You know, just as he was starting to not break out, but maybe break through is the better the better term. He got hurt, and you know, I don't think Rashad Penny is necessarily an elite back, but he he was an elite size speed specimen, right? Like he was very big and very fast. And he showed that when he, when he, when he played for Seattle, what was it now? Jesus, two years ago, um, you know, at, at late 18, early 19, I guess, but late 18, I think if I'm, I'm mixing up my years uh, was when he sort of was like, you know, popping some really big plays every now and again, he looked like the most electric back in that offense. 
And, you know, last year, of course, was a complete washout. He, he wasn't able to get back in time, never really got on the field. So 20 was a washout. 19 is when he hurt himself. 18 was when, yeah, that's right. So I think, like, you know, as he started to kind of get going, um, I, I heard some rumors that he wasn't exactly, you know, I think, uh, how do you say it, you know, uh, the sharpest tool in the shed or whatever, um, and and took some time. Right, and he, he also has struggled. He also struggled with conditioning. Hmm. Uh, I mean, he, he's like, you know, he struggled with like keeping his weight in check. I, I remember uh, watching him in college and, and liking him uh, as a runner. Uh, and also he was a, a really good return man also in college. Yes. Uh, which is always cool for like a 225 pound running back. You know, it's, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there have been a lot of problems with him. Uh, from the, uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't know about his intelligence, but I, I know that his conditioning has been a problem at times, and also, um, you know, just health. I mean, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. You know, and, and, and I don't know about intelligence. I, you know, I guess I'm just saying, like, you know, not necessarily, you know, the guy that's like yeah. gobbling it all up. You know, maybe he's a smart kid yeah. when it comes maybe, to science. Maybe, maybe the, the, the the Christine Michael, uh, yeah, I the mean, Christine Michael syndrome. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's certain guys who eat this up and live it, breathe it. You know, AJ Brown, for instance. I don't know how smart AJ Brown is, but dude doesn't miss a moment of learning about football. Like he just can't stop like he just can't his body won't let him like his he's just sick you know so you know you see a guy like that like whoever and then he's got the body too i mean we can both say aj brown is uh is is awesome yeah i've heard you did you quote uh, him as uh terrell owens is that what was that you that said that yeah that's who yeah Yeah. i'm with you uh, when he was coming out old miss i I compared him to, to juju that was after juju's huge start to his career. Um, but I, I think he's T.O. at this point. I, he's, he's actually, he's been better in the pros than, than I expected. And I loved him coming out of college. I think I had him as the number two receiver in that class. And, Oof, um, ouch. He, well, Hey, I, I missed my, missed my one-on-one too. Cause it was Nikhil Harriet wide receiver one too. So oh, swing and a miss. I mean, Again, prog- you know, predictions are, are hard. Yes. Uh, no one ever said this would be easy. But, I mean, even the NFL technically missed on A.J. Brown because they let him go to the second round. Right. So, yes, exactly. Vindicated. And, yeah, and, and it was funny, too, because I had I had Nikhil Harry as my WR1, but the later it got in the in, – in the, you know, I remember when the Patriots picked Nikhil Harry, I actually went – I wasn't exactly excited. I remember. I remember it was that moment I thought – Oh yeah, I need to back off this Nikhil Harry thing. Like, I don't know what it was. Like, I I tend to fade Patriots players just because like I'm too close emotionally. I'm like, I you know I don't know. I, I just can't. So, but I remember thinking like this thing is not good. This is this doesn't feel right. I, I don't think this is gonna work out. People were like, oh, great landing spot with Brady. I'm like, not sure about this one. Not sure about this one. So I, I ended up not owning a ton of Nikhil Harry, even though I sort of told the public to draft his ass. Sorry about that, guys. Um, <clears throat> thankfully, my following wasn't as big then. So. Um, but what I, what I wanted to ask you, and this one is, this one's, this one's kind of fun. So, you know, CEA, we, we saw in the Super Bowl, we saw in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes get absolutely, you know, rushed, like literally he'd, he'd get the ball and he'd immediately be on the run, just knowing that he had to move to some sort of space where he could find, a you know, a spot to throw from like literally every play. It was kind of awful. Actually, it was really tough to watch. and. We, we learned or we, we relearned how important offensive and defensive line play is. The Chiefs go out. They release their two tackles. 
obviously because Remmers is so good. No, I'm joking. But they released their two tackles because of cap situation. They bring in Thune, who by all accounts is dope. Um, and they bring in Kyle Long. My question to you is, does this Kyle Long move move the needle? Is he still good? Like, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, you know, he was good. Is he still good or do we not know? He, he wasn't good at the end of his Bears tenure. But, uh, I mean, he's had, what, is it two years off now? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I thought that it was, it was a funny tweet from Ross Tucker. He, like, broke down the, the Chiefs' offensive line situation right now. And it's like they've got no tackles, they've got no center, but they have, like, six good offensive guards. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Joe Tooney actually uh, is capable of playing tackle. Kyle Long has played tackle before. Um, but no, I mean, they've still got some sorting out to do on their offensive line. And uh, another reason that they released those guys, though, too, Mitchell Schwartz and uh, Eric Fisher. Uh, Eric Fisher uh, Eric Fisher was unlikely to be ready for week one. He tore his Achilles in, gotcha. in January. Yeah, uh, right. And, yeah, and, and, then, uh, and then Mitchell Schwartz had uh, a back surgery uh, a few weeks ago. So... And that's never good for an offensive lineman. I mean, no. doing a podcast with Ross Tucker for for five years, he would always harp on that, you know, fade dudes with back injuries. And it took me like two or three years to really get on the same page with with Ross about that. But, I mean, it, it, it hits every time. Fade the dudes with the back injuries. Mitchell Schwartz, like, for all we know, could retire. Right. Um, yeah, so um, that, they, they've still got work to do on their offensive line, no question. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm wondering now, you know, there's so many mocks with them taking a, a wide receiver, you know, at that pick 31 or whatever it is. And and you got to think mm-hmm. they're going offensive line in the draft, uh, uh, you know, don't you? I don't know. Uh, fade <laughs> the pre-free agency mock drafts, though. You, no, you, for you sure. can safely do that. Yeah. For sure, for sure. But I, I'm talking about like in your own mind. Like, I mean, if you were, if if you're running the Chiefs, I mean, you got to fix that line. I mean, that's just like job one because really we yeah. know that that yeah. Patrick Mahomes can win. You know, which is the malpractice of drafting Clyde Edwards-Helaire in the first round last year. First of all, he wasn't the most you know dominant yeah. back. He wasn't the best back there. I mean, we all know that. We you know we knew that right from the get go. But moreover, it's that Patrick Mahomes doesn't need that. Like he doesn't need it. He can have. Any guy like bring him Carlos Hyde and he's gonna be just fine. Like it it doesn't matter. So no, what, I mean if if they had had if they had had Damian Williams last year, I mean they would have been more than fine. More I think they might have even been a little bit better. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he is more explosive. I mean, look, I got nothing against CEH. I mean, you know, certainly I've memed him, mocked him, gift him the whole thing, but moreover, just as a as as a playful way to, you know communicate with people because it's fun as shit but the, the real answer is he was a top six or seven back in that class he's a good player you know Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a fine little football player but he's not a first round running back talent like at this particular point first round running backs need to JT didn't go in the first round like you don't need to take a running back in the first round so it was complete malpractice in my opinion when there are other you know elite assets on the board still um you know, so so yeah, I, I just think that that team needs to focus on on fixing its line on both sides of the ball because, you know, that team is is if they can rush the passer, and they can they can protect Mahomes. What I mean, that's it, game over. I mean, they're they're going to win the Super Bowl if they can do that. I mean, right? I mean, it almost doesn't matter who their weapons are. Granted, as long as Kelsey's there, and and to a lesser degree Tyreek Hill, they're they're fine. 
No, I don't think they have a problem uh, with their weapons. So right. I, I, yeah, I think it's offensive line or, or, or defense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that solves it for for them. I, I was just kind of curious if if um, you know if Kyle Long could could move out and 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 play tackle still, or if he's just not quite there. But it sounds like the jury is out for sure. Um, I, I don't think Juju has signed yeah. yet, but it's just going to be a situation where they where they like where where they, where they sort out the offensive line assignments, you know, like in OTAs, assuming that there are OTAs. I don't even know if there are going to be OTAs this year. I I am sort of suspecting that there will be like a limited version of OTAs, but that's when they're going to start to sort out where all these guys are going to play. I mean, Andrew Wiley is big enough to play tackle. You know, again, Kyle Long and Joe Thune both have at least a a little bit of experience at tackle. They're just going to sort it out on the practice field, but they, but they need to, I mean, they need a center, and, you know, and, and they probably need to add another tackle, at least just for insurance. Is the uh, the Canadian doctor coming back next year? Yeah. Um, I can't think of his name. I, 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 don't, I, I haven't seen any finality on that, but I, I, I would assume that he's back. Yeah, I would assume that. I yeah. don't know. We'll see. Right. So now we move to the wide receivers where, I, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, the, all these receivers got locked up with the franchise tag, you know, uh, Godwin, Allen Robinson, and then, you know, it took a while and it's still taking a while for uh, Galladay, you know, Fuller signs that one year deal kind of, kind of interesting to me, quite frankly, because he got about as much as Aguilar did. Um, and Juju and Galladay are still out there, at least as of this moment. Uh, I just checked again and, you know, maybe by the time we release this in an hour or two, it, you know, it changes, but a, what do you think the reason is for the slow market on Galladay and Juju? Are they are they holding out for more money, or is there just less money than they thought? Uh, are they playing the sort of should we take a shorter deal and and try and hit free agency? You know, uh, is this sort of an agent's game, or you know, or what, what what do you think is the reason? And then and then secondarily, where do you think they're going to end up? Well, number one with Kenny Galladay, it is uh, I'm sure that he and his agent began free free agency like targeting like 20 million a year right uh so the money wasn't right and also i mean this is a guy coming off a hip injury that cost him 11 games last season so that's why you're seeing him take visits which free agents generally don't do but these teams want to bring him into their facility you know put him in front of their doctors you know knock on his knees and you know <laughs> make sure you know see see how truly healthy he is and that's why his market has been so slow. I, I I guarantee you he came out of the blocks like thinking that, hey, I'm gonna get twenty million a year. And everybody's like, Well, you know, you gotta come visit us. And you know, his agent's like, Well, you know, teams don't even do that anymore, but you know, the teams are like, Well, you gotta come visit us because we gotta knock on your knees and make sure that your hip is all right and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that that I think that is is fully uh, explainable. The, the thing with Juju, and I, I hate delving into the, to stuff like this, but I, I mean, my, my, I would suspect that uh, teams have some reticence toward Juju uh, because he has this uh, social media personality that uh, maybe teams get worried has been, have been, has been taking away from his focus on football. Um, and, and also, I mean, he, his career has been on a downward trajectory and he's still very, very young. So I, I think that he's another dude that teams just want to, you know, examine, like they probably want to have long, like a, a long sit down with him, 
It's not where just boom out of the gates. Hey, we're signing Juju. Like we need to think about this. (laughs) And I'm sure, and I'm sure that he's also another guy that probably came out of the gates thinking that he might get, I don't know, 12 to $15 million a year. And teams are probably like, nah, nah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and probably thinking like, you know, four or five years with most of it guaranteed type of thing, like a, like a real deal, not just the Taysom Hill, 140 million, the real 140 million. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I I think that's probably right. It's probably the Delta between their expectations and reality. And of course with the cap falling back, there's just less of that sort of quote unquote real money to be had. Um, You know, there's a, you know, I think uh, Nelson Aguilar's, uh, you know, salary this year is 1 million, (laughs) you know, is like uh, I mean he, he's getting a lot in bonus, but his his his, his base salary is one million. In other words, there's a lot of funny money happening because of that 182 and a half you know cap, which was was a real problem for some teams. Obviously, it was not a problem for teams like the Patriots, but um, yeah, I think that's exactly where it's at. Um, it sounded like Galladay was kind of leaning towards, and they were leaning towards him was the Giants. Um, do you still think that's where he ends up? And uh, or, or is it still totally up in the air? Cincinnati also a little bit. I just don't know. Yeah, I, I just I just don't know. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to you know pretend to know. Uh, it's going to come down to the medical and um, and the money, and you know I, I I just I don't know. I was hoping you had the silver leaves there to look over and tell us. No, I don't. I don't have that. I, I, don't, I don't have that. It's, you got to bring on Schefter for that shit. Yeah, know? the Schefter leaves are even more powerful. I will give you that, brother. That dude. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen the the sort of quick you know bio of him where you know he's got like three cell phones are all ringing at the same time. He's texting. He's raising his kids, and like that kid is out of control. He's like five foot two. He's crazy. That dude is awesome. He's, he's an fantastic. animal. I mean, yeah. he's he's like the best reporter. He's the best reporter on the planet. I, I don't, you know, include all the political guys, include all the well, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski is really, really good too. And yes, it, it's maybe a competition between those two, but Schefter covers a more popular sport and is there's on more top players. of everything. As, as far as I'm, yeah, there's and there's way more players. He, he's the best actual you know journalist slash reporter on the planet yeah it's unbelievable he's unbelievable and you know really you could just follow Schefter I mean we literally do I mean we talk you know we just put on the Schefter feed and just refresh 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 you're gonna find out the information you need right there it's like you don't even need anything else you just need Schefter in your life so yeah I'm with you 100 he's awesome um let's let's do this this one's my favorite um you know I'm, I'm sort of a a Camara fan, and you know if 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 they're going to run that Taysom Hill offense, Camara hurts him. You know his value goes down big time. If they run the Jameis Winston offense, they his value is right there, if not going up, because um, you know they'll they'll throw a few pick sixes. They'll be right back on the field, you know, dumping it down to to Camara, throwing it up to Michael Thomas. But I actually have this sneaking suspicion that it's going to be kind of and Sean Payton would be the guy to do it. He has enough, you know, sort of. Um, you know, capital to do this. He has enough, you know, gravitas to do this. He has enough creativity to do this. He's shown a propensity to do it in the past. Even with Breeze, he'd bring in Taysom on certain third downs. I really think it's going to be a a true two-quarterback system there. And this is just my prediction from, you know, my from from this seat. I I, I don't know. 
Uh, I've just seen enough of the Silva leaves with them in the past where I think they're going to go ahead and, and just kind of, you know, whether it's game plan, whether it's uh, game situation, you know, if they're down two touchdowns, Winston will be in. If they're running the ball out, it's going to be Taysom Hill, you know, goal line situations, yada, yada. Uh, hot hand, whatever it might be. I just think you're going to see a very healthy two quarterback rotation. Am I crazy or do you think I'm onto something here? Um, I mean, Sean willing, Sean Payton has already shown the willingness to essentially do that, pulling Drew Brees, a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer, off the field in scoring position in <laughs> right. favor of Taysom Hill. Bingo. So that would not that should not surprise that should not surprise anyone. I think they both end up making starts in uh, 2021. Um, I, I I think it's a fade the entire offense situation. Ouch. Uh, I think. Yeah, uh, Michael Thomas is not going to be a 100-catch guy anymore. Uh, Alvin Kamara might be the guy that's able to survive, but he's not going to be an 80-catch guy anymore. Uh, I think even with Jameis, like Jameis is, 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 is never going to be as willing to check down as was Drew Brees. And Taysom Hill, we saw when Taysom Hill was in there, like Alvin Kamara lost a lot of fantasy value. Um, no doubt. And, and they they they're not going to be as propen- they're not going to have fifty pass attempt games with Taysom Hill in there in court at quarterback and they shouldn't with Jameis because he'll give the ball to the other team three or four times in those scenarios he's not going to be surround he's going to have a really good offensive line but he's not going to have you know the Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and you know all, all the other guys that that he had when he was in Tampa Bay so uh, I think it's a fade the entire offense situation Sean Payton is is brilliant enough to make it work in real life, but in fantasy, um, I, I don't, I don't really want any part of this. Maybe, maybe some Adam Troutman. I, I wouldn't mind some Adam Troutman late. Uh, if, if he can kind of make it through the rest of free agency in the draft, well, just, just make it through free agency. I, I think they want him to succeed. They traded up to get him in last year's draft and, uh, and they've moved on from Jared Cook and, Josh Hill. I mean, the path is cleared for Adam Troutman. Give me some Adam Troutman. You guys can have your Michael Thomas and, and Alvin Kamara's. You know, the the only thing I'll challenge you on Michael Thomas is his ass is slipping. Like he is going later and later. Oh, I, think, really? yeah. I think a lot well, of hey, yeah. value wise, I think it might be good. But I agree with you. Like I think I think you're onto something. And and, and you're right though. The the, the thing that I'm, a, I'm most nervous about in that offense is the uncertainty. Like you know, if I'm right about what they're going to do, it's like how do you? It's like it was like the old adage of predicting the Patriots running backs. You know, it was like, was it going to be a Blount game or a James White game? Now you could lean into whether they were favored or not or whatever. But point of the matter is you kind of didn't know. And, you know, they could get into a shootout even though they were not favored, right? Or they were favored big. You know, they get into a shootout. So same thing here. You could be like, oh, I think it's going to be a Taysom Hill game. But you may be fucking wrong, you know? And so I think a lot of that – look, last year, Kamara, as soon as Breeze went down, I told everybody Kamara's going to be, you know, really – relegated because and it's not be you know a lot of people I kept saying last year it wasn't that Taysom Hill isn't like it's not like he isn't looking for the check down it's that they're running a completely different offense they're not running the same offense and then Taysom just doesn't look for Camara they're running read option you know they're they're running uh you know they're running a different system and so therefore Camara's receiving ability isn't part of that game plan and so as long as Taysom Hill is playing Camara is hurt, you know, um, and if, if Jameis is playing, 
I, I, maybe it's not quite as good as Breeze, but I think it's it's close enough because you know he's going to have to throw the ball a shit pot because, like I said, he's he's going to throw six touchdowns a game. It's just a which team. <laughs> Correct. Know? Yeah. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. Correct. The first one usually goes to the other team. He likes to set it up. You know, spot them seven. You know, just degree of difficulty and go from there. Uh, isn't that good in fantasy? Oh, that's the best in fantasy when your when your fantasy quarterback starts the game off with a pick six on drive one. Yes, uh, let's fucking go. You know, we're we're, <laughs> yeah. we're we're headed to the top. Yes, dude, I love it. I dude, I rode uh, Jameis to so many titles that year, and it was just like literally, it would be like he'd be he'd be negative ten on the you know on the stat tracker or whatever you want to call it, and you'd be like. Let's go, baby. It's gonna be thirty for this motherfucker. We're gonna we're gonna lose forty five to thirty in real life, but he's gonna he's gonna put up thirty for my fantasy team. It is so bonkers with that dude. I absolutely love Jameis. I want him in my life. I want him on that on that field. Um, but I'm afraid that Sean Payton is just too smart to like hand the keys. He, to he literally he he let literally led the NFL in passing yards in 2019, and then in 2020 he was like a third stringer. <laughs> right, right. Like, it's that's incredible. kind of amazing. It's unbelievable. Know? Yeah. What was the uh, yeah. what was this? The I think yeah. the uh, the first pass of his career was a pick six. I think I think that's correct. And like the last pass he threw in the NFL <laughs> the, in 19 was a pick six. So yeah, it's just like yeah, he's bookending pick sixes, and yeah, he's the he's the king. I absolutely love him. Hey, is there anything else you, you kind of want to touch on? I, I know that, um, you know, we're kind of jumping around a bit, but is there anything you want to mention right now? Or No, no, I, I gotta, I gotta get some work done. I got, I got another podcast to do on this jets podcast and I gotta, you know, try to try to give them some op, some hope for the, for the season. But, um, but no, man, it was it was so fun to uh, to podcast with you. I'm glad that we did it, Jax, and uh, let's let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have you back on, and uh, thank you so much for 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 doing this with me. And uh, again, if I think if you're following me on Twitter, if you're listening to this podcast, and you don't know who Evan Silva is, uh, just stop following me altogether. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Just but go out and follow Evan Silva. He literally is kind of my sort of spirit animal. Like he he worked his ass off to get everywhere he is, and you know everything he's gotten in this in this business has been through hard work. Um, he's worth following. He's worth listening to. He's super smart. Um, you know he's nice enough, but he comes with the takes whether you like it or not. And I love that about him. I just fucking love the dude. So thank you so much for for being so kind to me coming on this pod and sharing all your knowledge with us. We absolutely love it. And thank you so much. Everybody can find him um, on Twitter at Evan Silva, uh, establish the run.com. His podcast is excellent. Adam Levitan, uh, absolutely fantastic. So for all of us at the undroppables, for all of us at the undraft, including my producer, Mike uh, and Don mega who puts together all the videos. Thank you so much, Evan Silva. Have a great day. Peace out. <laughs>